Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the MJ Cast. I'm Jamin and I'm here with my co-host Q and we've got an amazing special episode planned for you guys today. We're interviewing our first ever member of the Jackson family. Hi everyone, it's Q here from Perth. Good morning from the west coast of Australia and yes, we are so excited and just a little bit nervous to have our very first member of the Jackson family. Welcome to Taj Jackson on to the MJ Cast. The following is a presentation from the MJ Cast, the internet's premier podcast on all things Michael Jackson. You're listening to the MJ Cast by MJ fans or MJ fans. The idea is to innovate, or else why am I doing it? When I create my music, I feel like an instrument of nature. You let it create itself, really. I know I do. I love to entertain. That's that's one of my favorite things. Welcome to the MJ Cast, your source of news and discussion on the King of Pop. Tariano Adaral Jackson II, better known as Taj Jackson, is the eldest son of legendary guitarist of the Jacksons, Tito Jackson, and his wife, Dolores Didi Martes. Being born into a musical family of stratospheric fame, Taj, along with his brothers, Tarell and TJ began playing instruments from a very young age and showed strong promise as musicians in their own right. It wasn't long before the entertainment industry noticed 3T. A record deal was signed and in 1995 their debut album, Brotherhood, was released and it took the world by storm. Reaching heights not unlike what their uncle Michael and auntie Janet were accustomed to, Brotherhood sold 3 million copies worldwide, spawning the hit singles Anything, 24-7, Why? Tease me. I need you. And it's got to be you. It wasn't long before Taj, Tarrell and TJ were household names, with new music by the boys being included on the soundtracks of feature films such as Free Willy and Men in Black. Roughly 10 years after Brotherhood, the world saw the release of 3T's brilliant sophomore album, Identity, which featured the two singles, Sex Appeal and Stuck on You. Following this era, Taj and his brothers continued working on 3T, but also engaged in other avenues, with TJ taking on guardianship of his uncle Michael's three children, Tarrell continuing to work with his gift of music production, and Taj fighting tirelessly for his family name. Now, in 2015, after the final episode of 3T's fantastic new television show, The Jackson's Next Generation, 3T have finally dropped their long-awaited third album, Chapter 3. Taj has joined us today to speak all about the origins of 3T, their new album, Chapter 3, their new TV show, and of course, thoughts and memories around his uncle, the king of pop, Michael Jackson. Taj, welcome to the MJ cast. Thank you guys very much. I'm excited to be on this. So thank you. We're excited too. <laughs> totally our pleasure. We're, we're just so thrilled. As we said before, you're the first member of the Jackson family to, to come on our show. So we're just absolutely humbled and, and honored. Is that is that is there a pressure now? Am I? Uh, <laughs> I have to set the bar, right? Uh, I, <laughs> no pressure, no pressure, and it's pretty cool that it's episode twenty for us as well. So that's a nice little milestone. So thanks for sharing in that with us. All right, I like that. I like that. I like milestones. So yes. <laughs> so yeah, Jamin, congrats on episode twenty. Oh, thanks, mate. It's been a, a long journey this year, but it's been an amazing one, and can't wait to continue it into next year as well. 
Absolutely. So, uh, Taj, we just thought we'd kick off with a quick question for you, uh, just around your granddad. Obviously, like the Jackson family, um, uh, you know, have experienced a bit of tough times recently with Joe, and so a lot of the list, a lot of our listeners just want to know quickly how he's doing and if and if everything's okay. Um, yeah, I've seen my grandpa a couple of times since he's been back, and um, he's doing he's doing well. You know, um, it's hard because at that age, you know, you never know. But he's doing a lot better, and, and he was cracking jokes, and you know, <laughs> that's always a good sign when he's cracking jokes. And you know, we took some pictures with him, you know, for memories, and he he got straight up, and you know, the people around him were kind of nervous, but he got up and took the pictures. We we're like, no, we'll come down to you, but. You know, it's just hard because, you know, he's a Leo and he's he's strong like that. He wants to like, you know, he wants to do it all and he has to take it easy, you know. So that's the only thing that I worry about. Good to hear. I'm glad that, you know, it, he's, you know, cracking jokes. That is a very good sign. Yes. That, yeah. That's how I feel. Yeah. That's fantastic. So good to hear that he's he's on the mend. So just to, to begin our discussion today, I want to, if possible, start way back at the beginning of, of your story. I'd like to know when and where you were born and what kind of childhood you had. I was born in 1973, and I'm not one of those kids that remember very, very far back. Terrell probably can tell you when he came out of the womb. <laughs> uh, he's, he has that kind of memory. I'm a little different. I, I remember little things that happened along the way, and... Um, yeah, it was it was a childhood that, looking back, you know, it was definitely being part of this family. There's you had different things that other people didn't have. I'm not going to sit here and say no, we didn't have this and we didn't have that. We did have this and we did have that. But um, our parents, you know, my mom and dad, always made sure that we were humble and that we appreciated what we had, and that we never uh, took it for granted. And we realized that. You know, it, we were just, it wasn't that we were different than everyone else. We were just, we had other things that everyone else had, didn't have. Yeah, it was, it was, it was an interesting childhood. And we, um, I'm happy that we played little league baseball because, um, there were other kids that weren't, um, you know, from the same area that would play with us and stuff like that. And some of them became our best friends. And so I would go over their house and, you know, they wouldn't have what we had. And it made me realize that not everyone has this, you know, whether it's a big screen TV, we, we had, I don't want to sound spoiled. So I'm being very, <laughs> very, very cautious with my words. But, you know, when I was like 10, 11 or 12, we had arcade games, you know, cause you know, my dad loved arcade games as well. And, um, for the night, uh, for the victory tour, we had the, uh, the crouton or creton or whatever it was called. We had the head creton, uh, <laughs> from the victory tour in, in our video game room. You know, so it was a it was a different environment for us um, than everyone else probably would have. But we never, ever took it for granted. And we never looked down on other people because they were just like us. And we always and to this day, I never think that I'm any better than anyone else because I'm not. Just a quick question about the big giant victory to a prop that you had in your game room. That was the giant sort of spider creature. That was the one that like it looks like a character from like dark crystal it's like oh yep got it uh, you know it was it was the purple one it, it like it was the one that nelson hayes uh he was uh nelson was the one that was in that one and it was the main one that randy fought at the end or in the <laughs> beginning of the of the show but at the end of the like the whole montage thing 
Yeah, there were a lot of special effects in that show. <laughs> yeah. It was an amazing show, and that, and I think that was one of the shows that, you know, besides the nineteen seventy nine, eighty, or whatever it was, uh, tour that we went, um, that my dad and my uncles were doing, it was that tour that made us really want to do music and say, okay, we have to really work hard at this. So speaking about that, your your father Tito is obviously a member of one of the most famous music groups and certainly influential of all time, the Jackson Five and the Jacksons. Do you sort of talk to him much about the his experiences in music in those those crazy Jackson Mania days? Um, I do. I you know my dad's such a wealth of knowledge, and I love picking his brain and talking to him about it because he has so many fun memories and. There are so many memories and, you know, I could always see the joy when he talks about it and, you know, working with his brothers and, and having that, not only hysteria, but, you know, making a difference in the world, I think is something that he, you know, is very proud of as well and that his music did make a difference in the world. And so for me, I'm just extremely proud of my dad, but also proud of the man that he is minus the music, you know, and I think that's kind of the same thing with all my family members is that I'm proud of who they are as people. You know, I, I can separate the music with the person and I'm proud of what they've done, you know, for the world. Totally. And how did being a Jackson affect your childhood? For example, going to school, all of those different things when you were growing up? Well, we went to a private school. We went to a school called Buckley and Buckley, there were other kids that, um, had quote unquote famous parents, uh, like, uh, Quincy Jones's daughters went to our school, and um, Tevin Campbell went to our school, and um, uh, Sidney Portier's daughter um, went to our school. Both of his daughters went to our school. So we weren't, it kind of felt normal in a way, but you only didn't realize it was not normal when like concerts would come around <laughs> and, and parent, uh, teachers would ask for tickets and stuff like that. That's when it didn't seem normal anymore. You know, then you're like, you know, then it seemed a little surreal. Were you and your brothers offered a record deal at an earlier age before you were all teenagers? We were, yeah, we were offered a record deal uh, pretty early, kind of like, uh, I don't want to say who it was that offered us the record deal, but we were offered a record deal. And and to be honest, I, we weren't ready. And, you know, it was one of those things that, I know our uncle wanted to slow us down because he wanted us to appreciate the childhood that he never had. And so he didn't, you know, we were always trying to speed up. We were always like trying to be like, we want to be out there. We want to be out there. And he knew in hindsight that, you know, enjoy your childhood, enjoy, enjoy going to birthday parties, enjoy going to, you know, team parties at, you know, baseball parties and stuff like that. Because once it starts, it's going to be different. I remember watching a, um, just the other day I was on YouTube and I saw like an interview with pretty much the whole Jackson family on, it's kind of like a late eighties talk show. I think it was Phil Donahue or something like that. And you, you guys are in the audience as like really, really little kids. And they were saying, Oh, well, this is three T. They're going to be the next big thing coming out of the Jackson family. And you guys were so little in that show. And I, yeah. And it just, uh, it was amazing to see you guys, even that young, so passionate. Yeah. And, um, it's funny. I, I just saw that clip about a month ago and it, I, you could tell I was shy. Like if you watch the clip, like when they say, you know, I kind of look away when, and smile. And it's like, I was so shy back then. I'm still, I am shy, but kind of, you know, uh, this career 
can't, you can't afford to be shy in this career. <laughs> so, you know, you have to turn it on. You have to basically, you know, shy. There's no room for shyness when you, as a performer. So, you know, that was the thing. But yeah, back then I was extremely shy. We're lucky to have a lot of new Jacksons fans as listeners, as well as veteran fans. Could you tell us a little bit about 3T as a group? Like who does what and each other's strengths, for example? Oh, okay. I'll try not to get in trouble with my brother. <laughs> um, you know, the thing about 3T, you know, the thing that I love about 3T is that we're brothers, like for and foremost is – it's that bond and that, you know, there's a, it's not a coincidence that we called our first album Brotherhood, you know, it was because we are, we were a bond and we still are a bond. And I think we kind of play to each other's weaknesses and strengths. Like I love visuals. I love directing. I love photography. And so, you know, I love creating stuff and designing. And so, you know, when the, came time to do our logo, I was the one that designed our logo. You know, that was just something that I just wanted to do. And it was something that I felt I can contribute. And, you know, there's other things that I don't feel I'm as strong in with 3T. Um, I don't want to tell you what those are. <laughs> but um, we all have our strengths and weaknesses. And, and um, CJ is very much, you know, he thinks very, you know, he, I don't want to say he thinks very businessy because that sounds like it's all about business, but he has that mindset. You know, and so he can dive in and, you know, if it's something that needs to be done, whether it's like preparing our taxes and stuff like that or getting our taxes ready, that TJ is on it like that. And I, that stuff makes my head, you know, hurt. So <laughs> and then Terrell just le lives and breathes music like 24 seven, uh, no pun intended, but he really <laughs> does. He just lives and breathes music. And he would be the one that if music, you know, was wiped off the face of the earth. He'd be the one that would be like, I don't know what to do with my life. Mm. Well, I think Cheryl, uh, TJ and I, we kind of have other ambitions as well that contribute to 3T, but you know, it, it's not our end-all be-all. But 3T will always be our top priority. Yeah, like you said, we've got so many listeners uh, to our show that you wouldn't believe it. Like when we started this podcast, we were thinking these we're gonna our main audience are gonna be people that have been listening to the Jacksons and Three T and Michael and Janet for so long. But there's so many that have just recently become fans, and yeah, we just thought it'd be a good opportunity to get the word out about your group and how amazing it is. Uh, thank you. I it's hard. I I don't like promoting our group, <laughs> which is not you know, which is not a good thing, you know. Um, yeah, I'm very proud of what we've accomplished, and I'm much more um, comfortable bragging about my um, family, <laughs> you know, my family members, like my, you know, whoever it is, than I am about saying what we've done. Because, you know, at the end of the day, for us, it's just about what we can do for people, and if we can bring love and excitement to people, then yeah. that's our reward. And so that's what I measure our success as. You know, um, the first. Uh album i ever got ever was a gift from my grandmother it was called i can't remember it was one of those compilation hit albums and i think i was like 11 years old or something at the time it was called hit machine 14 and one of the songs on that album was anything and even before i knew about michael or janet you guys were the first jackson family members that i actually heard music from and i loved it i loved it oh thank you so much that's a that's um that's a big honor. Um, we've had other people tell us that, that they've actually discovered our uncle through us. And that I think that's always uh, so trippy. But at the end of the day, you know, for us, it's we're all one family. And I am so 
there'll never be another Michael Jackson. And, you know, it's not even, it's just, I can't even sit here and tell you, and you guys know this already, but it's just like what he was able to accomplish, not only music wise, but as a humanitarian, it's like, for me, it's like, I stopped, I don't know what the word is. I stopped trying to reach that plateau in terms of for on chart positions and stuff like that. Cause they'll never be that for us. You know, it's like, we just have to appreciate where we're at. And that's the thing for three T. And that's kind of the dilemma that me and my brothers have is like, we were brought up that way, you know, through him basically, you mm. know, he was our main, you know, um, inspiration. And also the person that taught us, you know, majority of the stuff between him and my dad were the ones that taught us the secrets of music and taught us songwriting and, you know, playing instruments, you know, my, with my, you know, my dad taught, teaching us how to play instruments, my uncle giving us instruments to play. So it's like, for me, it's like, I don't know. It's just, there, there'll never be another Michael Jackson. And it's kind of like, I just want to add to the legacy. I don't, we'll never, you know, replace the legacy. We can only add to it. Perfectly said. Yeah. So that's how I feel about that. I don't, you know, it's hard. I, sorry if I talk a lot. It's just, no, we love I, it. When I, when I'm passionate, I, I, I talk about stuff. And, you know, when it comes to my family, I am so honored and proud to be part of this family. I can imagine. And, and we will do all we can to help carry on that mission as well. Thank you. Oh, one, one thing I wanted to say that I, I, um, I said in the show, but, um, part of it didn't get through. And so, you know, on the TV show, and I, I just want to say, you know, now that I have the mic, <laughs> I want to say how amazing my grandma is. Because I know we talked about my grandpa and how, you know, important he is with the whole Jackson 5 and the legacy and stuff like that. But my grandma is like the heart and soul that I just, I can't sit here. I take the whole day talking about how amazing she is and how much of a pers- a great person she is and a great spirit she is. And there's, it's not a coincidence that she was my uncle's, Michael's role model, and she was my mom's role model, you know, because she, and my dad's role models, and so she's my role model, and she embodies that just, it's, it's love that she embodies, and she has, you, when you're around her, if you ever get to know her, or lucky enough to get to know her, as people say, when they, when they get to know my grandma, they realize the love that she has, and they feel it. Absolutely. We have a huge amount of love and respect for um, Catherine Jackson. And I think one of the things that blows my mind really is her strength after mm. all that she's been through and all that she does for the family and the, the support that she gives. It's just the strength that comes from that little woman that just blows my mind yeah. and is such an it, inspiration. Such an inspiration. And, and it's just amazing. And, and, what she's had to go through in life, you know, and she just, and it hasn't tainted her. And it's just, you know, it's like that heart of gold that she has. And, and you, you see that, you know, you saw that with my uncle, with what he had to go through and it didn't taint him in a Mm. way that it could have tainted a lot of people, but he still gave and he still loved. And, you know, that was the thing that it, it was my grandma, you know, that has that, that we all see. And, as much as we get knocked down or as much as media lies about what we do or lies about this or that or tries to bring us down, it's like our role models, our grandma who kept getting up and, and we see that 
and that's what we try and do. Absolutely. Um, Tash, just to return it back to um, your records as 3T for a little bit as well, we mm-hmm. just had a question around Brotherhood. Uh, yes. <laughs> and I just wanted to know, like, obviously it's a very special album. You know, it, it did very well. It charted amazingly. It was received incredibly well. Um, particularly in Europe, and it really launched you guys into the stratosphere. And at the time, I'm not sure what the stats are now, but at the time it sold around 3 million albums worldwide and, and garnered you a massive fan base. What are your recollections of that era? Was it like a whirlwind period, or what was that era like for you? That era was... Uh, I don't want to sound ungrateful, but that era was, you know, we we... We were out the same time our uncle was out, and we used to travel with our uncle. So I loved the fans, and I loved the reaction. I still love the fans. And but at the same time, I would we would do arenas, and my uncle would do stadiums. You know, he'd be at number one for months and months. And you know, it's like so I was never happy with where where I was. And I look back at that, and I'm like, I would tell my younger self, just enjoy it, just enjoy what you accomplished. You accomplished a lot. But we were never happy. We were always, um, I don't want to say we're complaining, but we were. We were always like, we want to be number, we want to be the best. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. And we're not there yet. And, And it was our uncle who basically had to sit us down and say, look, your album your first album did better than our album did, our first album. <laughs> and it wasn't, the, it wasn't until he said that that it made me, it clicked to me like, wow, you know. But he literally had to tell us that because we were like, we thought of ourselves as kind of failures, you know, in that way. And so, yeah, it looks like, wow, whirlwind of success and all that stuff. But you got to remember, we were around our Uncle Michael all the time. And mm. we would see, you know, so our success, our you know, ten to fifteen thousand, you know, arenas, and then you'd go and you'd see seventy to eighty thousand. You know, <laughs> in the history it's world like, tour. <laughs> yeah, you're like, you're like, we have a long way to go, and that's always what we would say. We have a long way to go, and that's and and he, he would always laugh when we would say that because he he just he was so involved in our project and so involved in our lives, but he understood it at the same time because he's driven like that. In the discography section of your website 3t.com it states that between brotherhood which was 1994 and identity in 2004 you guys actually recorded another album but it was never released by sony uh was that because of a strained relationship between like mjj music and sony or what was it like as a group trying to balance your relationship with your record label and your relationship with your uncle that was hard. That was hard because, yeah, it was a strained relationship between my uncle and Sony. And we were under my uncle's label, but we were distributed through Sony. And so it was kind of like a loyalty test. You know, Sony's like, release your album, release your album. And, and, and we didn't know, you know, our uncle didn't want us to release it because he thought that Sony would um, tank it uh, on purpose to get back at him. And so... It was a holding period. We basically had finished an album that basically couldn't get released. And um, we sat there and watched other groups that we had toured with in Europe come to the States and explode and, you know, sell millions and millions and millions of albums and sell out, you know, um, places. And we were sit- we were stuck, literally stuck. And um, the only way we could have gotten out of our contract was basically suing Sony 
and our uncle. And that wasn't going to happen because we knew exactly, even if we had talked to him and said, this is what we're going to do, the media would have had a frenzy with it. And so we decided just to hold and we did. What happened to the tracks and the music from that album? Did any of it make it onto the new album? That album holds a special place in our heart. Um, We actually uh, did get the album back. And we are debating what to do with the album because it's such a special album to us. And, you know, it's an album that... um, that we worked with and that our uncle was in I don't want to say he was involved in it but he was you know I'm not I don't know if I'm allowed to say that but he, he he was involved I mean he listened to every song that we had on that album and he had influence on it and um some of the songs that made it were because he loved them and he would tell us what to you know improve on you know um I'm I'm skating around the issue cuz I don't think contractually I'm allowed to say that he helped produce it, but um, so take it for what you want to take it. But he did definitely um, hear the whole album, and he made his comments and structured that we structured the album based on what he had t- taught us. I think ultimately it'll be up to you guys whether that ever comes out. But I got to say, the fan community of the Jacksons—that is something that would be an incredible release. I'm I I look at it's hard. I'm I'm the big supporter that wants it to be released. My brothers are kind of on the fence. I think they it's such a special album for us because it is has it has memories of our uncle and his input in it that it has to be done right. Mm. You know, it can't just be thrown out there. And so I get it what they what you know their hesitation. But at the same time, I I'm so proud of that album, and I think you know some of our best work is. In that album, because it was straight out, straight after we had come off of a world tour, hmm. we basically went and we started. We got all that influence from other countries, you know, and their music and what they were listening to, and we came back and we wrote this album. And I'm very proud of it. And my uncle loved the album, and so I'm just, you know, it's kind of one of those things like, come on, brothers, let's release it. <laughs> but you know, I totally understand. It's got to be. It's got. It's a special album, and it's got to be done right. It's got to feel right. Yeah. That's understandable. I hope we don't have to wait 10 years. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> well, I hope I don't have to wait 10 years because I want to perform those songs too. So. Cool. So it's, just, it's been just over 10 years since you released Identity. Uh, and I will admit, this is my personal favorite of your records. I'm still listening to Chapter 3 and I'm loving what I'm hearing so far. Now, with, with Identity and the exception of Stuck On You, the rest of the songs were written and produced by you guys as a, as a group. How was the creative process for that album different to brotherhood because like i said identity seems to be a lot more of your actual production writing and all of that kind of thing identity is interesting because the reason it's called identity is because you know it's kind of claiming the jackson name and being proud of um you know it was hard with 3t we we didn't want to seem like we were right on our family's coattails and so the biggest compliment to us is when people say, wow, I loved your song. And then I realized you were Jackson's, you know, it's like, so that's why we're not Jackson three or whatever is because we didn't want it to seem like we were just like, Hey, we're Jackson's and buy our song because we're Jackson's, (laughs) you know? So three T was a name that my mom used to call us her three T's. And then, um, our uncle, you know, he, he said, lose the S because it kind of sounds like very fifties, forties, you know, like the three T's, you know, <laughs> so he, he thought three T sounded stronger, which it does. And so we lost the S and now it's three T, but, um, it's weird because identity, 
we did a lot of the producing and writing on Brotherhood, but we were contractually only allowed to produce, I think, half the album. Oh. And so <laughs> so certain songs, and I'm not going to say which songs, certain songs we did a, we did a lot more producing, and we did um, – but we weren't allowed to because I, that was part of our contract. But once the album did, Brotherhood did so well, that kind of got thrown out the window. And they're like, because our first single, Anything, was the song we wrote and produced. So it was like after that, they were like, oh, okay, I think they can produce, you know. But <laughs> They've got this. <laughs> so, yeah, we, yeah. so that was the thing. And, and before that, they, it was all a concern of can they really produce or not. But we were taught that. We were taught that by our dad and we were taught that by our uncle. I love the song, I Appreciate. I think I've said this before on Twitter, but um, my wife and I, when we got married a few years ago, I actually created like a little video clip uh, while we were having some kind of like costume change thing during our wedding ceremony. I played this video clip full of footage of her and I um, in our relationship, and I, I set it to the song, um, I Appreciate. I, st- I think that's probably the song I go back to most out of any song in your, uh, your repertoire. Oh, that's great. It's, it's interesting because... Um those songs, you know, at that time, it was hard because, you know, after not having a second album be released, it was really hard to kind of like say, okay, you know, once we got free from Sony, it was hard for us to say, okay, do we still want to do this? You know, it's like we kind of got, we got kicked a lot, you know, and it was like bruised. And it was kind of like one of those things that we were like, yes, we want to do this. We, you know, we owe it to our uncle, we owe it to our grandma, we owe it to our dad. You know, kind of the same things that we said for chapter three, you know, mm. it's the same thing, you know, we owe it to our mom, we, you know, and we got back on the horse and we said, okay, we're going to do this. And that was kind of, you know, why it took so long is because, yeah, every time we come out with something, there's some kind of something that, you know, like really, I, I don't want to say, you know, discourages us, but there's a lot of politics in music, you know, and there's a lot of. You know, people think, oh, you're Jackson, so you have it easy. But there's a lot of radio stations that won't play us because we're Jacksons, you know, and have told us that they won't play us. And there's a lot of TV stations that they only see us for who, you know, they see us as a connection to, you know, other cousins and other family members. And it's like, oh, well, if you get them on, then we'll put you on. And it's like, so it's like, no, we're not doing that. And that Mm -hmm. was the thing. And so you... While other artists might be like, okay, we like your song, we'll play it. Or we love your song, you know, we'll have you on. For us, it's like, well, what can we get out of them? They're Jacksons. And so it's been, it's been, no, don't get me wrong. It's been very, you know, it's opened the doors tremendously. But at the same time, people want to shut the door quicker. And so you, it's your job to keep it open. You guys mentioned at the start of the Jacksons Next Generation that Identity kind of underperformed as an album. In the end... Why Why do you think this was? Let's be honest, the record has 12 incredible songs on it and they're all you're all such great musicians and performers. So why do you think it did underperform a little bit compared to Brotherhood? Well, I'll tell you the exact reason because we released it independent. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it didn't have the marketing push and it didn't have um, it didn't have the exposure that I think Brotherhood had. It didn't have the quote unquote big machine behind it. But um, we didn't release it in a lot of places originally. We only released it in France and Holland, and I think it was Sweden, or it was, um, and then Germany came later. But it was it was territory by territory, and so it didn't even get released in the UK until we put it on iTunes years later. Mm. So um, 
it didn't even have the chance to un- underperform because we literally didn't allow it. Like we didn't mm. allow it to, to be out there because this was at a time when, you know, now with social media and Twitter and, and everything and Facebook, you can promote your album without, you know, a label and you can get out there and people can tweet about it and retweet and, you know, and or like a video or like or YouTube and all that stuff. But back then it was a lot harder and you, you kind of relied on a lot more people to get it going. And so I think that was the hard thing about it. We just didn't have the manpower. Mm. And now we've just seen the release of chapter three. Uh, and aside from your show discussing the recording process, we had no idea as fans that it was actually coming out so soon. I think it was last Saturday morning. I woke up and just bam, it was all over Facebook, <laughs> just out of the blue. And I'm just loving the album so much. I think heaven, I think actually Francis, um, TJ's wife, tweeted the other day that she thought heaven was one of her of her favorite songs on the, the album and that's definitely the case for me i love it and i just want to know from you like what what were the recording processes like the recording sessions like for that album um <laughs> they were fun they were fun you know the thing with my brothers is that we're brothers so there's always going to be bickering and fighting in there because we're passionate about our music <laughs> and so it's like we fight for for ideas and we fight kind of like if someone wants this louder or softer or this part taken out, it's like, we have to, you have to make your case. And there's always that swing vote because there's three of us, you know? So it's like, it's getting that other person on your side to, you know, agree with you, but majority rules for us. And so I think it was a lot harder because, you know, there is a lot going on in our lives. And so getting the time to come together was hard, Hmm. but when we when we're together and when we're writing it or even when we're on stage it just feels right because we've been doing this you know since TJ was in diapers since he was 3 years old and I was 7 you know or 8 I should say you know that was the thing for me it was like that was that it feels right being with my brothers and performing with them and even you know when we have jam sessions or write it feels that's like okay that's what we're supposed to be doing I think um, my favorite tracks off the new album would be uh, Power of Love, Fire. I love that Fire song. Missing <laughs> Fire. You. Yeah. Missing You is another one. And um, The Story of Love is – I love it. I yes. love that sort of country-esque sort of feel to it. It's really great. Thank you. Yeah. That, um, it's funny because um, if you watch the show, Power, you know, Power of Love is, is a song that came so late into the process that Mm. basically it was the last song that we did and it wasn't even thought of at that time. You know, it was, it's a song from my mom's foundation that we created and it ended up being the my favorite song, you know, um, one of my favorite songs I should say on the album. It just, it's, it's like that. That was anything was the same way with brotherhood. It was the last song we recorded and it was the last song that, um, we did, and it actually came about because we we were um, debating with the distribution company of which song should be the first single, and we wanted Why, and they wanted Tease Me, and so we could we were at a stalemate because we weren't budging and they weren't budging, you know. So in the process, we wrote anything, and it was kind of like a compromise song, and it ended up being you know our biggest hit, and it's just amazing how that worked out, but. That was also written at Havenhurst, which is, you know, the home, the home, you know, the Havenhurst house, which is the home of, you know, 
Billie Jean and all those other songs. So it was kind of like there was probably some magic in the air with that song. Mm. Um, producer Corey Rooney featured a bit in the Jackson's Next Generation show. Did he produce the album with you guys or was it another self-produced effort like Identity? No, this album was more um, self-produced. Uh, Corey is always a sounding board for us. And, you know, Corey was the first producer, um, him and um, this guy Mark, were the first producers we worked with on Brotherhood. So Corey wow. and the last producers we worked with besides anything, you know. So it was like he saw the whole thing. He he knew my mom and because my mom passed while recording our album. And so he knows our journey. He knows like he saw us at the infancy when we were, you know, Brotherhood was pro Brotherhood and we had another song called Thinking. Those were the first two songs we ever did for Brotherhood. And um, I'll never forget, uh, Corey said, you know, we, the music, he basically said, I want you guys to write your own verse and I want you guys to write what brothers mean to you. And so in Brotherhood, that's our, that's our words. Like, so when I sing Brothers Are Your Best Friends, that's, I wrote that in, I wrote that about my brothers. So that's, that's what we thought of it for each other. Like, we didn't know what each other was going to write, but my mom was there as well in New York. And so. I'll never forget that. That's so. Brotherhood has a str strong meaning in that way because it is. It's like you know those words I said about my brothers. That's what I meant. And so, it's you know it it. Corey's always someone that's been one of our biggest supporters, and and I respect that man so much. And I'm you know he's a huge friend of ours as well. In episode six of the Jacksons Next Generation. Uh, you guys state that after the release of this new album, Chapter 3, 3T is going to be taking a break. Does that mean we won't be seeing any promotional push from the album, like interviews, performances, and possibly a tour, further than what we saw from the, the TV docuseries? Our break is different than, you know, than what people would think a break is. Uh, a break for us is, we're brothers, so a break for us was like a month. You know, and I don't even think that's happening anymore. <laughs> you know, for it's like we see each other every other day, if not every day. And so for us, when we said take a break, I think what we meant was that we have to find that spark again. But once we decided, because the, the sixth episode, you know, was shot before we actually pretty much almost uh, completely finished the album, you know, uh, once we decided to finish the album, we said this is going to be what we're releasing on the, the finale. It was already decided that, you know, we're not just going to put it out there and just disappear. You know, we're going to put it out there and promote it and we're going to put it out there and, and, and tour with it. And so there is no break. It's just I think break was kind of like, let's just make sure that our brotherhood's intact and that we're not trying to kill each other. <laughs> that was the break, you know, because. Um, you know, it's brothers know how to put, you know, you guys, you know, family members know how to push each other's buttons. And I will go on record always saying that. So this week, uh, like I said, I've been on a bit of a 3T binge. And uh, after finishing the Jackson's Next Generation, I've been watching some old interviews and live performances, for oh example, from the, from the Brotherhood tour. And <laughs> I've got to ask, are you guys ever going to release one of your shows on home video? For example, like, I would love a 3T concert in my Blu-ray collection. I've just got to say. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's amazing that you would say that because we just found um, – I have some of the – the because the, we recorded all our concerts. 
it's really funny because, and I know I keep saying it's really funny or it's really amazing. That's one of the things that you'll notice about me, but <laughs> it is. It's that because we learned we'd go on tour with our uncle, and so we'd see him film everything. And so, you know, but he had a different budget than we had. So we'd try and do it in our own little way. We'd always try and film or we'd have our friends film or whatever. But for the concerts, we had professional people film. And we do have our shows on, you know, on a correct format and whatever. And I think there uh, will be a time sooner than later that we will release it. And I, I don't want to just release it. I want to do something special where there's like maybe a retrospective or, or a doc, you know, something with it wow. so that it's not, not that you just get that. It's kind of like you get thoughts about it and maybe something else like, you know, the making of or something else. Cause I, I'm one of those people that love, you know, with Blu-rays, the extras. Yes. You know, or, I'll tell you what would be great know. is I've often thought about this and it'd be great if your uncles did something like this at some point too, but imagine a concert with a commentary track, you know, how you get commentary tracks on Blu-rays. Like if you and your brothers could sit there and actually talk about the show as it's actually happening. Talk about that would be amazing. I would but love that. <laughs> I would love that too, but we'd probably pick ourselves apart. <laughs> I can't I as of now I don't even watch the performances that I do because I just I see everything wrong before I see everything right. You know, and that's a thing. That's just I that was just how I don't want to say it's how we were brought up. We we're just always brought up to be, you know, to make it better. And um, I can't look at I can't look at any performance and, and just look at it as like, oh, yeah, I did. I did good. You know, it's like I see the one thing I messed up on. And I and so I would I probably would do it separate if I had to do a commentary. track. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd have to do it separately than my brothers because we'd probably like, you know, tease each other and be like, oh, he messed up there. That'd be or, awesome. Uh, I'd be laughing the whole time. It'd be- <laughs> Maybe that's what be the selling point. Huh? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. We'll do it. If we do do it, we'll do it with the video or it has the video thing so you can see us bickering and arguing too. Oh, we'll like, just... like a little picture in picture in the corner. Yeah, you picture, got... picture. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just wanted to mention um, my dad and how instrumental he was with our career. You know, I think with the show and um, just in general, whenever we do interviews, you know, we kind of sometimes forget to mention how much my dad sacrificed, you know, for 3T, basically. His, you know, he, all his other brothers and, and, you know, his sisters had solo careers. And he gave that up to work with us. And so I think he's, you know, such an amazing father and amazing person in general. But we weren't. We didn't come out like you know, with uh, as kids and just started singing harmonies and be like on perfect pitch. You know, it wasn't. It's like there's no genetic for that. You know, <laughs> and my dad had to sit there and listen to us off key. You know, and it took patience. And he had to see, hear every wrong note that we sang, and we were singing loud. You know, we were singing, and he took that patience, and he would say, "No, a little higher," and and he would point up and or point down, and I'm just. I I never I've told my dad this you know um, privately but I want to say this publicly how amazing he is and you know we wouldn't be three T without him. I think we did get a little bit of a taste of that in the in the show in the Jackson's Next Generation show which was awesome to see. But no thanks for saying that publicly. I have to say I am absolutely loving Tito's track. Uh, we made it. Yeah, that I love that. 
Oh yeah. my god, such a good song. Yeah, he's a he's an incredible guy, and even just like the fact that he's still touring strong today. Like we had a guest on the show recently, Charles Thompson from the UK, who actually went and saw Tito live at one of his recent shows, and and Charles said he's just an amazing performer to watch, and amazing, amazing, and he, you know. The the one thing I always hear from people is like, wow, I didn't know your dad could sing like that. Or I didn't know your dad was that talented. And he's like that, you know, that secret weapon. But it's like, you know, people forget. And so I just, you know, I just, I'm so proud of my dad. I think it's good with him doing some of the solo stuff as well, because we do get to hear his voice, which is mm. really good. Like, you know, for example, on We Made It, that voice is awesome. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yep. It's we so actually good. Think- we, um, me, um, my wife and my sister-in-laws, we actually, um, do the, I don't want to say chorus, but you know, we did the shouts that we made it. Oh, really? We yeah, we did that. Cause it, um, we had, to, we, the song needed that. And, um, so we, we hooked up a mic and we, you know, we did that in some hand claps. Oh. So it's, un- it's uncredited, but you're in you there. Know, we're in there. We're in there. And we love that song. So that's a thing. It's a strong song. And I love that song. It's very powerful. And I, I think that would be a great like stadium song or, oh, uh, yes. or like a, you know, like, or a sports song. Like it's like something an anthem. That, yeah. Like if a sports, like if a, if a, if a um, team, you know, won a, won something and they, you know, that's like one of those songs that could be like, you know, or move to the championship or the playoffs or whatever. It's a great song for that. Totally. I, I got to meet your dad um, a couple of years ago after he came to Perth on the Jackson's Unity Tour. Um, I met all of your uncles, um, which was incredible. I got them to sign the the Victory LP that I had, and they were all such incredible gentlemen and, like you mentioned before, so humble. And yeah. I was, yeah, I, I didn't get any photos. I didn't want photos with them. I just was happy to, to shake their hand and, and say what a great show they did the night before. Marlon tore that stage up like a 20 year old. He tore it up. <laughs> tore it up. Yep. He tore that stage up. And yeah, to get the autograph on the Victory LP was awesome. But yeah, he was such a nice guy and he's, he's cool little hat. It was so awesome. Yeah. You know, I look at my uncles and I'm just, I'm so, I'm so um, honored to be part of them, you know, in, in a way because it's like they're legends. And, you know, I hate hearing, and I shouldn't use the word hate, but I'll, I'll use it for this case. I hate hearing about, you know, they shouldn't be doing music or they shouldn't be, you know, mm. that was Michael's thing or whatever. And it's like, it started with the Jackson 5. And, you know, and they were, it was actually their group before, and Michael joined their group. And I'm, I'm not saying anything about my uncle because obviously I know the magic behind that. But I'm saying that in terms of, it's they have just as much right to be on stage and because they are legends in their own right and and the same goes for you guys as well i think um some of our listeners would have heard me have a few rants in (laughs) past episodes when i may have seen some of that sort of stuff online and i don't take that lightly either i think that i hate when people say about you know riding coattails and, and just cashing in that really peeves me off especially because this you are a part of the Jacksons. The Jacksons are an entertainment dynasty and the entertainment industry certainly wouldn't be what it is now without the Jacksons and a Jackson doing what they do, which is entertainment and music. That is their job and Jackson is their name. So I've had plenty of rants on the show sticking yeah. up for that point. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's weird because, 
you know, I see those comments and I, it's like, it, it hurts in a way. But then I also remember, you know, when we were doing Brotherhood and, you know, because we were kind of touring around the same time my uncle was touring. So we'd see each other a lot, you know, in Europe. And um, he would, he always said to us, he's like, you guys have to carry this on after me, you know. And that's why he invested all the time and energy, you know, besides being a loving uncle, teaching us the secrets and teaching us performances and teaching us stage presence is because he wanted us to continue this. So for me not to continue this, I'm doing him a disservice and I'm, I'm not living up to what I promised him. And so that's the hard thing. It's like people, you know, the, some, some media and, and some people say, oh, they're writing Michael Jackson's coattails or the Jackson name. But then I remember what my uncle said, and it's he wanted us to do this, and he invested in us, and he wanted us. He wanted he wanted to sing on our songs. You know, we um, I need you wasn't supposed he wasn't supposed to sing on it, but he wanted to sing on that song, and why he gave to us. So it's like he just he he knew that you know there come a day where we would have to continue on the legacy, and you know I don't want to say it now because. Our uncles are doing it hard and strong right now, and our aunt as well. And they're doing, you know, uh, the, the the best. They're doing a killer job. That we, you know, it's like we're, we, you know, we're looking at them and going, wow, you know, one day. They sure are doing an amazing job. Q and I were just talking yesterday about this being, in my opinion, really the year of the Jacksons. We've had new music from Three T, new music from uh, your auntie Janet, brilliant album, Unbreakable. Jermaine has put out a new song. You know, Tito's track. Latoya's got had a remix. Latoya had a remix EP out, and then you guys dropping two two um, small EPs, and then the album. It's the year of the Jacksons. Yeah. And it's all right. of you, and you're all for us anyway. You're all on the same incredible level. Oh, thank you. I, I totally, you know, I appreciate it. It's the fans that keep us going, and they're the ones that are like, when are you putting out this, or I love this. And so for us, it gets a, it's kind of like our energy. It gets us going, and it gets us like, it keeps us going, because you do get beat down when you, you know, you read those negative media posts, and you know, I'll get in trouble because I'm not supposed to say that I actually read those things because then people know that they're getting to me and they'll, they'll keep posting it. But you do have, you know, you're just human nature. You're curious and you're like, what are they saying? And then you read it and you're like, oh, great. And they have never have anything nice to say, you know. And so it's like, why did I read that? And so it's like that's why you see me sometimes disappear off of social media and then come back is because I'm highly sensitive to that stuff. Mm. And so I don't, I can't be in there long because – it hurts. It hurts me. And I, I do take it personally. So I jump in and out, you know, when I'm energized again, I'm like, okay, I'm back in. And then I start taking the bullets and I'm like, okay, back out. And so it is, it's, it's kind of that for me. What we might do now is just take a quick break and we're going to cut to a song uh, from 3T's incredible album, Identity. And we'll be back in just a moment.
You've got a certain hello you have to say, don't you, Jamin? Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> Taj. We just got a we just got a text message from um, our close friend Damien Shields, and he wants us to um, say he wants us to say on air hello to you. <laughs> uh, t- tell him I say hi, you know, and um, yeah, I I I I knew there's an Australian connection. Let's just say that, you know. Well, he we've been friends with him since he was like. I've known him since he was in like high school, junior high school. We became friends around the time Invincible came out, actually. And I went and I remember going to see him perform at his graduation ceremony when he was in year 12. He did a Michael Jackson um, tribute sort of gig. and oh, I did that as well. <laughs> oh, I did one as well at mine in, in class of 96. Oh, did my you? God. That's a story I haven't told on the show. Oh, that's that's all good. So that's how long we've known him, and um, yeah, he always talks about you and saying how great guy you are. So he's a great guy as well. So he hello. is. He works very hard. <laughs> uh, so let's uh, talk a little bit about the Jacksons' Next Generation. Great, great TV show. I just wanted to say thank you for putting out such an amazing show around your family. Uh, I believe it accomplished what it set out to do in displaying the Jackson family as a family like any other in many ways that faces challenges like we all do. Uh, Weight issues, health issues, relationship issues, loss, expectations. The Jackson's next generation is unashamedly real. And uh, at times it was actually difficult for me to watch uh, with some of the more emotional moments. But overall, I felt it was an absolute joy. And thank you so much for for putting it out. Oh, um, you're very welcome. It was it was a nice journey. Um, it was exactly what you said is exactly what we wanted to accomplish with it. You know, when we signed on to do it, we wanted the world to see our family, you know, cause not what the media tries to portray our family as, but see kind of what we are like and that we are human and that we do hurt and we do have pain. And, you know, I wanted the world to see our, our grandma and how wonderful of a person she was, not, you know, the tabloids or the headlines of what the media are, you know, or people try and, you know, push their agendas, but what my grandma really is like. And so it was very important for me to show that and, you know, for my brothers as well. And, and I think that came across. And so for me, it was mission accomplished, you know, for that aspect of it, just people seeing our family and seeing as you said, wow, they're just like us. So the vision and concept for your show ultimately was met from your perspective then? Um, <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble, but a lot of it was. I would say about uh, 75% was. And and it was just because you you still are doing, dealing with you know um, a channel and you're still dealing with things that it's like, it wasn't our show. I mean, it, our names were on the show, but it was, you know, it's not like we... Um, shot it and edited it and all mm. that stuff. And so um, there were certain things that got changed and, and um, that I would have put in and kept in, you know, more, even more human aspects, I would say, you know, um, I think it, it teetered towards the Jackson thing a little too much. And when I say Jackson, um, I don't mean stories about our family or whatever, because I'm proud of saying those stories and all that stuff. But then when it, the focus is only about that, you know, and not about the the humans behind yeah. it. Well, the, the the episodes that I felt were most touching and and you know the la- the later ones were great too with putting the album together. But those first couple of issues where Tarrell, for example, was struggling with his weight issues and and I've struggled with weight issues my whole life as well. So I really connected heavily with mm-hmm. that plot thread and um, you know little baby Rio and what he was dealing mm-hmm. with and and all of those really 
deep issues like your your longing to do film around mm. um, exonerating, I guess, Michael or honoring your family. Mm. Those mm-hmm. those plot threads are the ones that I felt really really connected to as well. And 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 as did we. And that was the thing I think um, as it became more of a show. And less of, you know, because the first thing was the first one that we did was a pilot, you know, in a docu-series. It was a documentary. And that's what it was shot as. And so that's what, where you found that connection was because that was the way it was, you know, uh, shot and edited and all that stuff. But as it became more of a show, things started getting shifted around and changed in that way. And so... I'm still extremely proud of it, and I think it's an incredible show. Mm. And um, and I am um, I'm happy um, with the outcome of it. And I'm um, I don't know. I just I I'm trying. I, I promised I wouldn't do this. So I'm saying of not of trying to always improve something. You know, <laughs> <laughs> just to sit back and and enjoy it. You know, I'm just doing. And now I'm doing it. I'm I'm actually. Uh, nitpicking and so I'll stop that but yeah I, I'm very proud of this show and and um, a lot of people I can't tell you the amount of people that have actually come up to us and said wow I connected so much with your family and you know I'm rooting for you guys and it wasn't just us it was the whole family mm. and so I just love that aspect of it and that I can't be thank, thankful enough for Lifetime for giving us that opportunity Was it strange having a film crew around you I guess a lot more than usual um, it was strange for me not being behind the camera and being in front of the camera <laughs> with the film crew. And, and cause for me, I, I kind of knew every, every angle and everything. So I was, I had to forget that I was in front of the camera because I would start seeing like, okay, where's this lighting going? And, you know, it was like, I was analyzing it too much. And so I went off of my little, you know, um, there'd be times when we'd be, Terrell and TJ would be talking and I'm like vegged out because I'm thinking about the cameras and all that stuff. And I'm thinking about, you know, the uh, placement of the angles and, you know, the lighting and all that stuff. And I wasn't even in charge of that, but it's just that that's how my mind works when, you know, in terms of that visually like that. So it was, it was, it was fun. It was, it was definitely an experience experience and I'm happy the fans got something out of it and, and um, they enjoyed it as much as they did. And, and, who knows what the future is going to hold for that? How was the production company to work with? And other than starring in it and the awesome theme song, did you guys have anything else to do with the production on the technical side? The production itself, um, one of our, our best friends, actually, um, it, was his, um, he, it was his production company. And, um, or, and he's in charge of the production company. And so for us... We felt a lot of freedom in that way because it was someone that knew our family and was so protective of our family and wanted to tell a great story, our, our friend Henry. And, you know, I'm thankful for him because he went to bat with us a lot of the time and protected us a lot more than um, normal people that go on TV are protected. But he's, you know, he put his his reputation on the line because he he cared about our family and he wanted to see our family in the best light. But he also knew that people had to connect with our family and we had to show flaws. You know, we can't always be perfect, you know, cause perfect isn't real. And so that was mm. the thing. It, he was the perfect person to, um, to, to have our trust. And, and we, and he does and still does. Ha- I mean, he did and still does have our trust. 
And so I, I'm very thankful for Henry. I, we wouldn't have done it without him. How has the show impacted like the relationships between the people in the show? Um, and feel free to, you don't have to answer this one if you don't want, if it's, if you think it's, you know, more Tarrell's business, but in terms of Tarrell and Brianna, obviously a really big plot thread in the show was their relationship. How has the show itself and its release impacted them even now? It's, it's hard. Um, I won't say too much about their relationship, but I'll, I will say that I can go off of what it, how it impacted me and my brother's relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you're, you're in there and you're, it's being documented. And then it's like, you're like, okay, he said this about me. So <laughs> I have to protect myself or I have to, I have to get my point across. And so it's very manipulative, even though it was real, it's still like, you know, dirty uh, laundry being aired. <laughs> and so it is hard. I can see how, you know, people do these kind of shows and they end up, spiraling down because it's like it's hard you're letting yourself be exposed everyone has an opinion you know about what you should do and so it's hard and and it's yeah it it, it was a hard it wasn't an easy process and I have mad respect for people that you know stay true and real about it and you know um like we did and and try and you know navigate those you know rough shores Mm. we were loving the show how come the show finished after only six episodes? We were um, we were all contractually uh, obligated to do six episodes, and we don't know what the future is going to hold for that. But um, I don't know. I don't know why it was only six episodes. Um, but yeah, we it, it felt like just when we were hitting our stride, it kind of ended. <laughs> yeah, that's what we kind of felt as well. You know, so I don't know what. Um, I will tell you that there's other things that you know, is in store for our, our whole family, you know, exciting stuff, TV stuff. And, uh, I'm not allowed to say too much, but, uh, there's big things for our family, um, in the next, uh, year that I'm extremely, extremely excited about. And I know the fans would be equally excited about. Yeah. I'm excited. Just hearing that little teaser right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, are we going to see a home video release of uh, the Jacksons next generation again? I'd love to own that thing on Blu-ray. <laughs> it's that's not up to us. So that would be something, you know, it's weird. Like you, you know, it's like, Oh, well everything's not up to us in mm. that way in terms of like what, what markets it gets released in and what it wasn't up to us, what markets that the Blu-ray gets released in isn't up to us. So we don't really know. We'll find, you guys will probably be the first ones to tell us. <laughs> oh, you know, it's here in Australia, you know, or whatever. And we're like, oh wow, okay. So that's, but that's always been our career. Like we've found out such and such is here. Or, you know, your album's released here now, or it charted here, and we get that from the fans. So I don't think this is any different. Okay, listeners. So it's up to you. I guess we'd be contacting Lifetime. Tell them you you want a Blu-ray, you want a digital release, iTunes release. And also, if you guys would consider it, we'd be up for a second season. So everyone listening, hit up Lifetime. And if not, there's always, there's there's definitely going to be something Jackson 2016 for sure. (laughs) Awesome. Well, again, thanks for the, the docuseries, Jackson's Next Generation. We we did love it. Um, so we're going to actually now play a song that was from uh, the album Chapter 3, which you guys put together during the making of the show, and we hope you enjoy it. It's Wednesday. 
That's a great little song from Chapter 3. We hope you liked it. If you want to pick up the album Chapter 3, make sure you check out uh, either Amazon or iTunes. We'll put a link to to the album in the show notes so you guys can go ahead and grab it. Fantastic album. Uh, I've been listening to it a lot over the past couple of weeks and I just can't get enough at all. So we're going to talk a little bit now with Taj about uh, Michael Jackson, his uh, uncle, uh, the king of pop. And I have a question here just about just uh, those early days, Taj. So even though you and your brothers were in the public eye from a very young age, for example, uh, the 2300 Jackson Street video or that uh, Donahue special I was talking about a bit earlier, it, it probably wasn't until the, bro- in the era of brotherhood that fans of the Jacksons really got a taste of 3T, especially with the music video for Why. Uh, can you tell us about the history of that song in particular, the recording sessions around it, and then ultimately the filming of the music video? <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, the It's not that exciting of a story for the recording process. Basically, it was a song written um, by Babyface for my uncle's album. And he um, he didn't have the room for the song. And so he kind of offered it to us. And we were like, 
are you serious? You want us to have this song that was written by Babyface and you want and you're singing backgrounds on it? And so um we were so excited about it and we actually didn't record with our uncle for that for that um for that song in particular. The backgrounds were already done. And that's why it was hard because it was in a different key than we were used to because the song was already pretty much done. So we had to adapt to our uncle's key. Uh, so it's it's a lot higher than we normally were used to. Nevertheless, um, we sung the leads on that song or resung the leads, and it was just it was an it was such a great gift that our uncle gave us, and that even that baby face gave us. You know, it's like I just I look at that song and I'm like, you know, our uncle did certain things in his life to kind of say, okay, I want you guys to succeed, and he always. And it wasn't as Michael Jackson, you know, the the musician. It was Michael Jackson, the uncle, that he would do these things for us. And so I'm just really appreciative of that aspect of it. But um, the music video was a little different. The music video, he kept goofing off in the music video, and I'll never forget that. We were like, we were we were so serious because it was like, you know, this was like our video, and we're like and our uncle's in it. We didn't even know if he was going to show up or not. Not because he's ever flaked on us, but it was like still <laughs> surreal. It's like, our uncle's going to be in our music video. Is this really going to happen? You know? So it was like, until he, we saw him and we're like, he, he's there. And he, you know, we were, it was like, and he went straight into play mode. You know, that was the thing with our uncle, because that's all we did when we were with him is we cracked jokes. We watched three stooges, you know, pranks and all that stuff. So he was doing that in the videos. He was in that play mode. And we're like, no, we have to sing. We have to, you know, this is, this is a music video. This is our video. So we're trying to be serious. And he's trying to make, you know, make us laugh. And he knew what it needed. And that because he wanted to capture our dynamic. And that was the thing. You saw that. You saw the dynamic that we have as as nephews and, and him as our uncle. And that's what was captured in that. And he knew that, that we didn't know. And he was bringing that out of you during the filming. He was bringing that out to the point. He was so silly. <laughs> like, I mean, some of that stuff is not even captured on there. Like, I mean, he was being really silly and making us laugh. And it was just like, those are the fond memories that I remember of that music video. You know, I have so many memories of that in my life with him. But in terms of for that why music video, that's all I remember is him making us laugh <laughs> and us being like, no, you have to be serious. We're, you know, this is our video. And he, but he knew, you know, he always knows and he always did know. You mentioned just a, a few seconds ago that you resung the the leads there. Now, one of the biggest mysteries in the in the Jackson fan world is whether there is a solo version of "Why Sung by Michael" that actually exists. I don't think there is. I I, I don't think there is. I know there's one of with ba- Babyface, hmm. but there's no. I don't. My, my uncle only sung the backgrounds. I'm I'm ninety percent sure. Now I could be proven wrong. But I don't. It, I don't think it exists. I think it was only um, babyface. Uh, but, but I could be wrong. That that's a Terrell. Terrell might be like, nope, you're wrong. You know, there was because <laughs> Terrell's like the fact checker of everything of of us. But um, so don't hold everything I say. But I don't remember it. I don't remember hearing. Even though I do remember, he did sing. You know, we did have his last vocal on there. You know, his last. You know, his last. Tell you. Tell me why. Yeah. Um. So. Maybe there is something of him in there, but I don't. I know that the parts that we sung to it was Baby Babyface's uh, voice that we were hearing when we were mimic, not mimicking, but when we were trying to figure out the lyrics. Re-recording. We didn't even have, yeah, we didn't even have the lyric sheet, so we were basically <laughs> <laughs> listening to what was being sung and then re-singing it. 
You spoke a bit earlier about your father and your mother's influence on creating 3T as a group. And how instrumental was Michael in your career? Oh, wow. Um, anyone that knows, whether it's family or close friends, knows that our uncle basically was, you know, if our mom and dad were members four and five, our uncle's uh, number six. And those three, you know, they 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 were not, I don't want to say interchangeable, but it wasn't like one was more important than the other. Our uncle was extremely instrumental in our career and every aspect of it. And a false, um, people think that he signed us, you know, and that's how we got our deal. But actually we were with um, Epic before we were with MJJ and we actually had to sign out of Epic to go to MJJ. And so it wasn't like, you know, we got a record deal from our uncle. We actually got a record deal first. Then my uncle formed MJJ. Then we went to MJJ midway through the process of recording our album. Mm. So, um, yeah, that's one of the things that people think. It's like, oh, yeah, and they got signed by their uncle. He just he helped them out. But, no, we got signed by Epic first. And it was kind of um, it was kind of an interesting fact that they we had to change over to MJJ from that. And I think if we would have originally just signed to MJJ – we wouldn't have had to be distributed through Epic, you know, or Sony in that aspect. It would have been straight MJJ. But, um, yeah, he, um, instrumental, I would say, literally, he bought us one of my, he bought me one of my, our first keyboards that we wrote some of our songs to. Not some of the songs from Brotherhood, but some of our songs that, to this day, will one day see the, the um, you know, the, uh, the light. We have a couple songs that we've written that were, TJ's in his, you know, pre-puberty uh, state, <laughs> singing high notes and stuff like that. And I'm 14, I think, at the time. And so we have two or three of those songs that we're holding on to as well. You know, when we were the three T's. And so um, our uncle, he just he was always there, and he he taught us that. And he actually, to be uh, really frank, it was the songwriting aspect that he taught us the most. And he would tell us, study this person, study this person, see this melody, this is this melody, and this is this, and learn great melodies. And he, he didn't want us to be dependent on other songwriters for our career. He wanted to, us to be able to do our own music so that we didn't have to wait on anyone or we didn't have to rely on anyone. And so that was, you know, in terms of the musically, it was that aspect of it. But then in terms of performance, he taught us performing. He taught us how to work the stage. And I'll never forget him, you know, um, showing us. I'm not going to say the name of the group, but there was a group out at the time. And he would show, He they had a picture book of their concert, their live concert. And one of the guys was in a pose. And he's like, he, my uncle's shaking his head. He's like, he's not feeling it, you know. He's not feeling it. He's fooling the audience. He's not feeling it. And I learned that lesson. I'm like, you have to feel the music. You have to be that. You can't just pose. You mm. have to. You have to be in there with the music. You have to. It's kind of like a, you know, you're an instrument for the music. And and I think my uncle embodied that, and that's why everyone connected with him. That's why the fans felt that, and they and they did. They got to know him because he did. He just the music was channeled through him to you guys and that's the thing that I learned because I always felt like well, he, I, I didn't see it I was like yeah that looks like a good pose and he's like no he's not feeling it he's not you know and he was so adamant about that like you know like like the, the person was ripping off the audience and the, and the crowd you know and he believed that 
there's a great photo of the two of you guys on a roller coaster ride somewhere. <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> it looks like he's enjoying the ride 10 times more than any of the other kids on there. Uh, <laughs> I got to ask, what's the story behind that photo? And maybe what are some of those earlier memories of your uncle? That was a, that roller coaster was called Thriller, believe it or not, and it was in Florida. And um, it's weird. We used to go to so many amusement parks with, my, with our uncle. So for me, that was just another roller coaster. And um, but my uncle, you know, it's like he just loved being a child. And to this day, I I want to be that as well. I I don't want to grow up, and I I try not to grow up. I you know, because of that innocence that he had and that love that he had. And, and so for me, like, I'm always trying to do, you know, I don't want to say silly things, but I'm, you know, I have that child heart still. And that's what he had. And so for me, roller coasters, Disney, pranks, you know, (laughs) magic, you know, tricks and all that stuff. It's like, all that stuff was like, it's exactly what we grew up with. And, and as we got older, that did not change, you know, when we were 20, 21, and we're on tour, tour, and we'd come and visit him, we were doing the same stuff, watching Three Stooges, cartoons, laughing, pranks, you know, the same thing. Um, would you mind telling us about maybe Neverland Ranch as a place, and if you've got any stories you'd like to share about your times there? That sort of goes with this whole amusement park as yeah. well, but also just as the, the ranch itself. The ranch for me was magical. Um, it really was um, – we would have our birthdays there, which was always incredible. You know, in ter- we'd have hundreds of people uh, between me, Terrell, and TJ because we'd always combine our birthdays because we had usually the same friends. But so our friends went there too, and they loved it. And and they get so defensive when they hear about Neverland, you know, because they know how magical it was. And um, it was it was such a magical place. And and if you step foot there you would realize that this was made from a man that loved and, and that wanted to help people and help children. And um, it was designed that way. That's why the movie theaters had, you know, hospital beds in it, you know. And, and it, you know, it was like it was designed with such love and care. And um, that's my memories of Neverland. And, and all I have is good memories there. And, and um, I actually moved there you know, during the trial that my, with my uncle and I, I actually, I actually moved there. I, I I packed up my stuff and I moved there because I wanted to be with him and I wanted to be there. And I'll never forget my job. I always kept saying my job is that at the end of every court court date or every court, um, you know, day was for him to forget the day and watch three stooges with him and make him laugh and, and talk about film and talk about, cause he wanted to do film, so we would talk about that stuff, and and that was it. It was like Groundhog Day. Every day we would do, just do that. I would just, and it would be like it would re-energize him, and he'd be, smile and all that stuff. And then, and then the next day he'd come home, and and my grandma would be there, and you know, and we, and and it was like it was the same thing over and over. It was just a matter of like, you know, getting him back to the point where he was had, you know, the the three studios were miracle workers in that way. You know, he, he never got sick of watching three studios shorts and that, neither did I. So we watched a lot of three studios shorts, but he also had his kids who always, you know, brought a smile to his face. And so for me, it was just that I just wanted to be there for him. And so I, I Neverland means a lot to me and it means, you know, it's, it's where I lived for a certain period of time because I wanted to be close to my uncle and I wanted to be there for him. Like, 
he was there for me when um, my mom passed. And so it was very important. What are your thoughts on the sale of Neverland Ranch and also possibly the sale of the Sony ATV catalog? It's hard because I those things hurt me and I try not to – there's so much uh, stuff I see in the media that I don't know what's true and what's not true. So I won't comment too much on it but you know I – I know how much certain things meant to my uncle and there's a certain magic behind that. And anything, when I see something on sale, that it's like a part of him's on sale. And that's the thing for me, it hurts. So, you know, um, I hope there's ways around it. I hope there's, you know, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm an optimistic person. So <laughs> that's all I'm going to say about that. I always believe that there's a way to get things back if they're, if they're sold. You know, um, but I understand, you know, what people think about that in terms of um, fans and stuff and getting upset and all that stuff. And I understand that. And I and I um, and I I understand that that viewpoint loud and clear, even though he didn't live there um, sort of after the, the mid 2000s. Did you know if Michael had sort of long term plans for the ranch at all? I don't know, and if um, if I did know, and I'm, I don't know, and I I shouldn't say I don't know, I don't remember, but I probably wouldn't say anyway because that that for me would feel like I was betraying him in that way, um, unless it was something that he had told me to tell someone or t you know, but I know he always wanted it to be there because he wanted it to be for the children, you know, he always and ne he never wanted it not to be there. He always wanted it to be what it was designed for which is a place for children and a place to, you know, heal kids and have kids come there from all over the world and feel magic. What were some of the things that you and Michael liked to do while you were at Neverland together? Um, besides watching Three Stooges, as I said, we'd, we'd watch movies and in the movie theater a lot, you know, because um, he wanted to direct and he wanted, and I wanted to direct. So, you know, we always promised each other we'd direct and he would be a directing team. And so for me, um, we'd study movies. We'd study classics. You know, he loved Raiders of Lost Ark. So we'd study shots of that. And then um, he loved Sidney Lumet. And so we'd study his classics. And, and he had so many – he was so such a genius on the visual side that people forget, you know, visually how amazing he was, you know, when they just – because they just think music. But my uncle was so amazing visually and he knew angles and he knew well that's why his concerts were so strong because he knew, you know, he knew one place, you know, one inch to the left with his foot meant something different than an inch to the right, you know, and he was, he was um, meticulous, but he was also a genius in that way. And so for me, I would just sit there and listen. I mean, 90%, I had nothing to contribute when we talk <laughs> about movies. I mean, I'm being honest. I was like a student that was just learning, like, you know, and I was just like, the more I shut up, the more I learned, you know, it's like, I'm not going to sit there and listen to myself talk, you know, and he would ask me, he, you know, he would ask me, he's like, you okay? he, he'd give me a scenario, he'd say, okay, a man's walking down an, an alley and someone's following, you know, him, you know, how would you shoot it? And and now I would I'd be able to tell him exactly how I'd shoot it. But back then I was so intimidated because I was like, gosh, I don't know. And he's like, this is how I would shoot it. And he knew, he knew exactly what he wanted to do. 
And so for me, that was kind of what a lot of my memories of Neverland was towards the latter part was because that was him. You would see that he it was I was just always trying to get him to look past the trial, mm. look past it. You know, and so I knew if I talked to him about directing and I talked about him and us directing together, it was looking past, you know, and 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 that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to make him smile and happy and then have him focus on the future. Can you tell us about um, like with you and Michael talking about film and your film projects that you've done and what your hopes were for the future, maybe with Michael? Yeah, there's a couple. There's there's a couple of movies that he wanted to do. Um, one of them was a. I don't know if there's. Well, they're not going to do it now. But it was, it was a remake of um, The Invisible Man. So he he wanted to star in it, and but he wanted to turn it into like a a musical, a dance musical kind of thing, like where it was. Um, it's really interesting. He had an interesting take on certain things, but it would have definitely you know. It would have been a, a big phenomenon, and I think the idea behind it was that he wanted me to adapt the 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 the, the book. Like he gave me the book to adapt, and he, and he's like, adapt this book. I you know write a screenplay so that we can you know we can shoot it. And um, I didn't even I, so I sat there for the next you know couple months learning about screenplay <laughs> screenplays and screenwriting because I was like I don't know what the you know, but I did. I I sat there and learned, and um, and he just. It still involved music. That one did, you know. That was the thing. But we had another one um, that um, didn't involve music, and it was more of I don't see. I don't know what is owned still, and I don't know if it's still in you know certain people's possessions. So I don't want to say, yeah, I don't want to ruin certain things. That, but I could tell you what didn't get made, and, and you know, be safe about that because mm. there might be something that you know is still in the works that. Or I shouldn't say in the works, but that legally I'm not supposed to be saying, talking about. Understood, for sure. Well, it's, it's so exciting, though, to hear that, you know, you're carrying on that passion for film that Michael inspired you with. And I really do hope that in the future you get to realize some of those visions and dreams that you have with oh. film. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's amazing because the thing that um, we were there for Smooth Criminal. We were there for Captain EO. You know, he had us on the set. We were there for Stranger in Moscow. You know, we were there for, um, I could keep going, but, you know, we, we saw a lot of his music videos um, and he always wanted us to be there. We were there for ghosts, you know, so it's like I have such fond memories of watching him perform not only on stage, you know, and, and on tour, but, you know, the music video aspect of it. And, you know, uh, I've said this before, but, you know, it, we were there at Havenhurst at the, at the kitchen when he said, that Moonwalker was inspired be- for, from me, Terrell, and TJ's uh, love for Transformers, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and he he sat there and told us that he's like, that's why he and he was so excited. He's like, I transform into a plane, and you know, so it was like we had an influence, you know, a minuscule influence, but I I'm proud of that, you know. I, I'm like, wow, you know, because I love the Smooth Criminal video to death. <laughs> You know, and that lean and I just, you know, and that's another memory, you know, him telling us how he, I'm not going to say, but the lean, I know a lot of people know, but (laughs) the lean and all that stuff, because we'd have the same questions the fans would have. How'd you do this? (laughs) But the only difference is he would tell us. (laughs) So that was a thing. Oh, incredible. 
Well, if you ever wanted to come back on the show, Taj, we would love to hear some of those other stories. About, like, <laughs> the, being on the set of Moonwalker and Ghosts, we spoke with um, Lavelle Smith Jr. for a Halloween yes. special episode about mm-hmm. ghosts. But yeah, yeah, hearing about things like that in the future, if you ever want to share, you've got our details. Okay, <laughs> no problem. Yeah, I could be there for days telling you about like on-set stuff because he, you know, he always tried to keep the set light and fun and all that mm. stuff. But he was such a perfectionist too and professional. But you know, at the same time, it's like so. And people were intimidated by him, which is the funny thing. You know, he was such when when you got to know him and pe- when you know people that went up to him and said hi, Michael or whatever. He was. It was like they would be like, oh, you know, he's so amazing. But certain people were just intimidated, especially you know people that worked you know on projects. They just mm. were like. You know, because they had heard from other people, other celebrities and other artists where they don't like to get looked in the eye or they don't like to, you know, be talking to, you know, don't talk to him and all that (laughs) stuff. So they were like, everyone's so, you know, but he would always be so sweet and and say hi to people and and everything like that. So one of the things is with our family, I can go somewhere and be like, I can I can be confident that if someone says I met so and so in your family, I know it's going to be a good experience. I'm never going to feel like. Oh, uh oh. Well, which one did you meet? You know, <laughs> you know, it's I know I know it's going to be like something where, you know, that that family member treated them right. I got to ask you, what is your favorite Michael Jackson video and why? Oh, wow. That's a, that's that's a hard one. Can I narrow it down? I'll, I'll give you three quick ones. You, you can give us three. Uh, OK, yeah. <laughs> Thriller we couldn't answer. It, we couldn't answer one either. We'd have to yeah, like, it's, say it's, three or five. <laughs> it's impossible. It's it literally is impossible. Thriller because of um, that kind of made me want to be a director. Just seeing that, I saw that in the, the in movie theaters. You know, they, there's a special screening. You know that they had, and and I saw it there. So I saw it on the big screen, and Thriller made me want to be a director from that aspect. Just watching my uncle on the big screen, and um, so Thriller was definitely one. You know that, and he, my uncle loved American Werewolf in London, so he we watched that a lot. You know, he he watched a lot of movies with us. You know, <laughs> certain movies that he shouldn't have watched, like that we were probably too young to watch, like <laughs> Exorcist or, and all that stuff. But you know, we we could handle it, and we loved we loved watching that stuff with him because the thing was is that you know, a lot of us is through him, and that and and um. He got to share that, and he was trapped. He was trapped in his own success, in, in a way that he couldn't trust people. And we never looked at him as Michael Jackson. We always looked at him as Uncle Michael, mm. and he loved us for that, and he appreciated that. So we would tell him good and bad, you know. And we were just honest. But um, I think that was the thing. Um, so Thriller, definitely black or white. I just for that that video, and um, and not even the morphing part, just. I just love that song in general, but the the video and I don't know. It's just it's, it just makes me happy that video yeah. and that and that song especially, and Smooth Criminal like Smooth Crim. Oh my gosh, uh, <laughs> I just, there's so many. Now I'm down a rat hole. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll stop with Smooth Criminal, but there's so many. You know, um, I was just gonna say Earth Song, but Smooth Criminal just <laughs> because of the the dancing, the the song in general. I it's one of my favorite songs, and it's one of my favorite songs for to see live him. Um, when he performed it, you know, so well, he brought it to life, didn't he, on stage? I mean, oh the, my god, the lean happens. Just, <laughs> yeah, it was just amazing, and and that was the thing for me. Like, I just there's a there's a sto- quick story that, um, and I I don't know the details, so I'm going to stop with the I'm not going to say the, but I remember, you know, the one thing about us is that he 
my uncle was always constantly trying to perfect, but he was also he never thought he was uh, that he was he knew it all. And he would ask us. He'd be like, you know, what's your favorite this or that of of him, you know? Or and on tour, I've I never forget. I I said something to him, and I've said maybe you should do this. And I kid you not, the next day on the show, it was changed, and it was that. And I was like, wow. wow. <laughs> I was like, he listened to me. <laughs> I'm like, you know, and, but it was something like it, it, it was such an honor. I was like, I don't even remember what it was because it was that it was. But it was t- it made his show better, supposedly. And it was like I was just like, you know, awestruck because I was I saw that I saw my uncle on stage and I saw the fans and I understood it. I understood it all. It's not that I didn't see my uncle being like, oh, well, what are they screaming over? You know, I was, a, you know, as big of a fan, you know, as you guys are, and I still am. So I understood that this, you know, I would see his movements and I would see, you know, the end of human nature and him do the, you know, that thing at the end. And I'd be like, this guy is just, it's pure magic that he's doing right now. And I, I would, I would, I could never get sick of watching any of his shows. We'd watch as many as we could. And, and it would like seeing it for the, for the first time. Wow. Taj, I've got a question here for you now that that is a bit more of a deep one, and it is one that yeah. that touches on a few um, possibly sore issues. Uh, so feel free to be as candid as, yeah, yeah. as you'd like with it. But not only do the fans know you for being an, an amazing musician and, and a part of Three T, but also as an individual who tirelessly defends your uncle's legacy and family name. Now, I first realised this in 2010. And for me, this was one of the three darkest moments of my time as a fan of Michael. There was 2005 with the criminal trial, 2009 Mm -hmm. with his passing, and then 2010 when that album came out, the Michael album. Mm. Now, unfortunately, this this issue of the Casio songs and, and all of the stuff around that is still not resolved and it's still very, very raw for all of Michael's fans. And the reason for that is because we know Michael wanted to immortalize himself through his art and his music. And now we Mm -hmm. have a discography that, in my opinion, is quite tainted with songs on it that he may never have even worked on and most certainly didn't sing on. And firstly, I'd like to thank you and, and your brothers, I guess, for being so brave in 2010 about this issue. And I just want to know, let's fast forward to 2015. How do you feel about it now and the fact that it's still kind of unresolved? It hurts that it's unresolved still. You know, me and my brothers, we talk about it every once in a while. And we took, you know, we were on the front line and uh, we took a, a a beating, you know, with the press. And, you know, uh, it was hard. It was hard because we had nothing going on in our career at the time. So it looked like an op- we looked like opportunists. Like, oh, and we had nothing to defend ourselves in that way. It just was like, oh, well, they're just trying to get fame. They're, you know, a washed up group that, you know, wants to be in the spotlight again. And I always vowed, I'd say, I said, you know, I want to make sure that we have something next time that we do it. So that doesn't look like we need this to get on TV because that was, it got twisted in that way. And our whole argument got twisted. And I learned that, you know, what the media wants to put out there is what they'll put out there. And um, it hurt more when, um, it, it, you know, there, there, certain fans, I don't want to say fans, uh, certain people, you know, at, particularly attacked us and, and 
not you know not physically but it hurts you know in that way because it it, it I can't speak for my brothers but it hurt us it definitely hurt us and it's to this day it still hurts us and and we are caught more cautious about putting ourselves out there you know I will always defend my uncle and always defend my grandma and my cousins all my cousins um but it's like that was a that was a sore issue for us because our name got you know I don't know if it's slandered or libeled, but our name got you know we were told liars, and then people, then certain fans were like, "Well, you you know who are you? You, you know how do you, you?" I don't know. Our whole relationship with our uncle got diminished as well. You know? Yeah, it really it's did, a- and a lot of that was to do with um you know the journalist Roger Friedman. His whole angle was that you guys you know kind of had your own work with Michael that you yeah. wanted to release and it never got released because the Casio family jumped in and did their thing. And that was which his is, angle, got picked up by a lot of other journalists. Yeah, which is baloney. You know, our uncle, it's like no one ever said that, oh, well, our uncle was on our album, you know, and, you know, our uncle always wanted to work with us and we always wanted to work with him. But it made it sound like we, we came out of a, a point of jealousy which we were coming out of a point of love and and protecting you know my uncle's legacy and so it was it was painful in that way and it did a lot of you know media outlets and journalists other journalists picked up on that and that's when it t- taught me you know you don't have that strength or that uh right now to fight this mm. and it's unfortunate you know i didn't i shouldn't say that i didn't have the microphone to fight it you know now it would be it would have been a different story with you know us having a show and all that stuff I learned that that could be the vehicle for a lot of things, you know, but yeah, it it does. It is. It does hurt. It's just a, it's such a complex issue because, you know, of course there are actual legitimate songs that, that Eddie Cassio and Michael did work on. For example, Wanna Be Starting Something 2008, For All Time that came out on Thriller 25. And then there's these other songs that are still being purchased today by people. And I've got, like, I'm a school teacher and there's kids in my classes that I've heard say things like, oh, my favorite Michael song is Monster or something like that. And it just, the fans, we we were split. We were divided in 2010 over this issue and there still is a big division. And there's a group of fans out there that say, you need to get over it. You need to move on and just forget it happened and move past it and just, just whatever. But there's still this group of us that can't. It's like we can't rest until there's answers and there's a solution. Like, would you suggest to us fans that we do move past it or we focus and try to reach that solution? Um, it's hard because I, uh, I would never suggest for people to move past something that they feel strongly about. Um, I can't move past certain things. And, and it really did, I think it splintered the fan you know, community. Like, it drove a wedge through them. And I saw that, you know, and it, that hurt almost just as much as everything else hurt was seeing something that my uncle loved, which was the fan community and me being someone that, you know, took personal pride in 3T's community, you know, and working with fans and stuff like that. I understand the importance of fans and, and the community and having, you know, certain people call out other people and or not, you know, or, you know, it just it was like inner fighting and it got very ugly. And that was the thing. That's the thing that's hard for me. It's like, I don't, I don't know if the truth will ever get out there. And I'm, I, you know, and, and that's the thing. It's like people's as, as my, I'll quote my grandma, people don't, you know, uh, from the show, you know, sometimes people don't want to know the truth. She didn't say sometimes, but I believe <laughs> that certain people don't want to know the truth. They just would rather 
believe what it is. And, you know, because, you know, they don't want to know that this was not this or this was not that. They want, you know, because it's one less song that they have, mm, you know. That's a good and they'd point. Ra- and they'd rather be told, they'd rather live with that, you know, I have this song than I don't have this song. And so for them, that's, they'd rather live in that denial. Even recently, you, we, well, we all sort of shared in the disappointment of the ruling with the British media um, watchdog against story that you mm-hmm. filed a complaint against. Um, that was a huge disappointment for us, and I can imagine for you as well. What can us as fans do for Michael's legacy and also that of the Jackson name as a whole? For me, the most important thing has always been, you know, I think you carry on the legacy when you when you teach young ones about the family and 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 not only musically but the you know what the humanitarianism of what we stand for because that for me is just as equally as important in my uncle's legacy as his music is is reminding people of how amazing of a person he was as a human being. And so, um, because that's the, that's what I want to keep going in terms of, I want that to always be 50, a hundred years from now, people will have the music. Yes, but I don't want them to forget the man himself. And that's for me, the most important thing, just like, you know, we might appreciate Beethoven or Mozart, but unless you study him, you don't know what they were about, you know? And that's the thing. I don't want people to forget what my uncle really stood for and how amazing of a person he was. So just carry it on, like keep, keep introducing it to other people. And there's always people, as you said, d- discovering the family, discovering my uncle. It's like every day, even discovering us. Like I've seen people say, I'd never even heard of you guys. And, you know, I just discovered your music and I love it. And it's like, wow, that's, you know, I appreciate that. But, you know, for me, it's the message. It's the, you know, I'd rather someone say your music inspired me than you know, oh, that's a funky track. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think Jamin's um, when he first dreamed of doing this little podcast years ago, when he first talked about it, I think that was something that uh, was a seed for that. That we want to share people's stories um, mm-hmm. and share people's history and the Jacksons' yeah. history and, and Michael stuff like that. Yeah. So I think it's certainly steamrolled into something as big as this is now for us, um, which is just us talking like fan talk really is me and Jamin on the phone. That's, that's what we sort of do for the show. But that's great. That's what's so amazing about, and um, I give you guys a compliment, so I don't know how you'll take it, but that's what's so amazing about what you guys do. And what uh, all these fans do is that, you know, they, 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 they dedicate their time that, you know, they take time out of their day to continue on my uncle's legacy. And I know, you know, I know what, the fans meant to my uncle, you know, we, we would be there traveling with him and he would always tell us. And so it's, it's amazing to, to feel that love back, you know, and if he was here today, he would be so thankful that there are people like you guys doing this and, and telling stories and remembering him. And, and that's why when people, you know, mention my uncle, I'm the first one to start talking and like, and it's like, I don't care <laughs> if it sounds exploitive or whatever. I want people to remember him. That's and, exactly and right. you know, and I'm I'm so proud of what he accomplished. So I can't shut up sometimes about my uncle. <laughs> there's it's great. Like there's two. There's actually two reasons why 
I think we started the show. The first one was, you, if you go to iTunes even now and you look up Michael Jackson in the podcast directory, there's only a couple there. There's only two really that are being put out. If you look up the Beatles or Elvis, there are stacks. There are heaps. Yeah. So we felt that Michael was really underrepresented in that medium so that's one reason the other reason is that q and i are lucky we come from like we have a lot of fan friends in australia that we talk to all the time but there's people out there like you mentioned that are new fans or people that don't have a lot of friends that love michael jackson that they can connect with so putting the show out and people listening to it you know it's like a conversation that they're privy to about michael so yeah it's fun it's fun yeah well i, I as i said and i always i always find that the, the time to thank people like you guys because you guys really do you you carry on the legacy and i can only do so much and my family can only do so much but you know the fans are you know just it's kind of one of those things that you if you keep spreading it and spreading the love and spreading his magic you know it's something that people can't deny because it's there and and this world you know it's it's needed. It's needed. His his music and his message is needed more than ever in this world. Like before you make me cry, Jamin, it's time to get the next question in. <laughs> Thank you so much for your kind words there, Taj. Taj, you got to explore the world while on concert tours with your uncles, uh, Michael, and then your auntie Janet as well. Have you got any stories or, or favorite moments you, you like to think back on from those tours? There's a there's a couple of memories. I I think my aunt Janet, she was so um wonderful in terms of I would travel with her like and I would see like kind of the the really behind the scenes behind the scenes of like you know how the concert was set up. You know, with my uncle it was already done and so we would come at the latter part, you know, when it was like everything was already done. We'd come up for the for the show times and watch him perform and all that stuff. But my aunt, I got to hang out behind the scenes and see what it was really like to do a concert and really like and and for really to interact with the people that work with you and work for you, you know, in that way. And she she always kept it very family like, family atmosphere. And like whether it was the band or the dancers, you know, it was one big family. And so I always loved that about her. And and I learned a lot from watching her and I respect her in that way that it's like anything I do now on the set of like when I'm filming, I want it to be like a family atmosphere because that's the way I, I, I saw her and how she did it. And I loved that aspect of it. And I said, I want I want that. And so um, that's one of the main things I learned from my aunt. Uh, I know what my brothers would say. What we learned from both of them is don't dance, <laughs> because <laughs> we would see them perform and they would come, you know, off stage sweating and exhausted, <laughs> and it was like, oh my gosh, you know, that seems like, you know, and it's to the, and it was our uncle who said, don't dance. Basically, <laughs> he literally told us not to dance. He's like, pick up your instruments, <laughs> don't dance, and he, he was right though in a way because it's like, you know. He's like, if 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 he was, you know, if he was still around and he was performing and he he couldn't move as fast as he could, people be upset. Yeah, people like, yeah. oh, you know. But it's like here you have a group that you know performs with guitars and and whatever, and they can just walk around the stage and they can be performing until they're seventy and eighty. You know, that's right. And, and you, that's can, a- you can see that as his career went on, really. Like if you're looking yeah. at the Victory Tour, Bad and Dangerous, you know, he was he was singing and dancing as hard as he could, you know, and he, he, in, I believe in history onwards a little bit, he had to start to compromise a little bit around. And he, um, ate, 
and he hated that. He hated compromising, and he and he felt like. And it was funny because I would I remember with Billie Jean I would see him, and every time Billie Jean he performed it I was just amazed, and he'd would come off stage and he'd be disappointed, and he's like and I I one time asked him I, I don't know if it was me or my brothers we asked him what was wrong he said I feel like I'm cheating the fans like I'm not because it's it's midway through the show and I'm exhausted and I'm not you know and I, the, you know. I can't give them the, the performance that they deserve. And that was the thing. Like, I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, exactly. I'm like, what performance are you seeing that I'm not seeing? Because <laughs> it's spotless. Like, it was like, it was perfect. And, but for him, he felt like it was, you know, that he was already, he knew his fatigue already. And he felt like he couldn't, he couldn't give the audience. And it was always about the crowd. And that was the thing about my uncle. And that's the thing that I learned about my uncle was it was always about the fans. It was always about them. And it was whether it was spreading the message of love for them or actually performing. And that's the lesson I took from that was that for me in my career, it's about the fans. And that's why I have a connection with the fans. And that's why I love my fans because I appreciate them. And I appreciate everything that they do for us. Taj, could you talk to us about Michael the Humanitarian? How important do you think his efforts were regarding his ethos and ultimately his legacy as a humanitarian? I think that my uncle, that would be the one thing he'd be most proud of. And I think that's the reason why I don't want people to forget that. Because that was the thing that, that was his legacy. If he, he, he told us and he taught us that, you know, when it, when he was teaching us all these secrets about music and and about you know writing and recording and producing and and performing he said once you make it you have to give back he goes that's that's your duty to do is to give back to the less fortunate visit hospitals you know and he meant it and he and i've said this before but he said you know the biggest charity you can give is when people don't even know it's coming from you and you donate and you give or you you know and he he did that time and time again where he would pay for people's funerals or he would you know he would just it, anonymous donations and and this and that because he felt like if you're doing it to get recognition then you weren't really doing it for the for the for the purity of it you were doing it to get something back out of it and so that's what I learned from him in that aspect of it. And and that was the thing is that my uncle practiced what he preached and he cared about suffering and he cared about, you know, people. Um, and he, he didn't just, you know, turn a blind eye to it. He tried to do something about it and tragedies. He, he, he couldn't watch tragedies on TV. You know, um, when we were watching the news one time at Neverland, he started crying and, and and it affected him and it deeply affected him and he you know I'll, I'll never forget he picked up the phone and he called someone I don't know who he called but he he wanted to do something about it right then and there and that was my uncle and that's what I remember and that's what I try and live up to in that way in terms of not with the music but the person that he was I want to be you know I want to be someone you know um in that, in you know, in in the in a certain degree like that, where I can mm. inspire people and make a difference, because that's what he he, as I said, he didn't only sing about it; he believed it. How do you think Michael should be remembered? 
it's hard because I think that definitely he should be remembered for um, his um, his music. You know, <laughs> I mean, you can't not remember him for his music. You know, but I do believe that you know, hand in hand with his music should be his cause and and what how he cared about the world and how he cared about people and how um, I mean. There's just will never be anyone like him and his performing and his his heart and everything. It's like I just you know we were blessed to have him. That's all that you know. That's the best way of putting it. And and I'm saying that as someone that's not his nephew. I'm saying that as someone that you know that appreciated him for who he was. Absolutely. Got one more question for you, Taj. Where next for three T touring Australia? I hope. <laughs> Yeah, I would love to tour Australia. Um, <laughs> it's one of the places that we didn't go with Brotherhood. Um, mm. And we did a, a show. I, hey, hey, it's what? It's Saturday. Hey, hey, it's Saturday. Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Michael did, did that. that. Michael was on that as well during um, when Ghosts came out. He did an interview. He did with, an uh, interview. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I remember that. And that was the only thing I remember that we did. And it was not even in Australia. We did it here, you know, or we did it somewhere in the US. And I felt cheated. I was like, oh, man, I want to go to Australia because it's just, you know, our, our, our album did so well there. And the fans have been so supportive there. And I've actually, you know, my aunt Janet talks about it all the time about Australian fans as well. <laughs> and so for me, I just, you know, I don't there's a couple of countries that we have to check off in terms of 3T visiting. Australia is one of them. Asia is the other one that we have never been to as 3T, you know. Well, we'll be right there ready to watch your show when you come. Maybe if um, Janet brings her Unbreakable World Tour to Australia, you could tag along on another one of her tours <laughs> down under. Yeah. Have you been listening to Unbreakable, her album? What are your thoughts on it? We love it, by the way. Love it. I'm. You know, it's, it's funny for me because I'm such a – a huge fan of my aunt and I you know I traveled with her on tour as well and so I love her music like I love I love I it's weird I love happy Janet which I always say which is when she has happy songs I like you know I'm like a sucker for like together again or you know all for you or uh, yeah all for you or you know um Oh, gosh, yeah, I just go, you know, but it's like, are all right, or, uh, or it doesn't really matter. It's like those like songs yeah. that have the happy things. Like for me, like that happy Janet for me is like, I just, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so for me, like, I just, I'm a big fan of my aunt as well. And I just, um, I'm so happy for her and her success. Did you want to talk about anything in particular that we can link fans to? For example, the foundation that you set up in honor of your mother, things like that. Feel free to talk about that now. We can link everyone in our show notes on our site. I could probably talk about the foundation. Um, I'm not good at self-promoting, but the foundation is something that I'm proud of. You know, It's ddjf.org, which is Dee Jackson Foundation. And um, I'm very proud of that. That was something that came uh, into fruition. We had always wanted to do something charitable you know, learning from our family and we finally were able to do it. And it's the short, uh, I guess, story would be that it's it's designed to help children in need and bring awareness to like certain charities that are underfunded or under um, manpowered in that way. But it's our, 
I guess, uh, way of helping, you know, in, in a way that we can with the world. And so it's us doing a little of what we can, you know, and hopefully as it gets bigger or or 3T gets bigger, we can do something even on a grander scale, you know, and it's just from learning and watching our uncles and our aunts do something charitable. And so we just want to be, that's part of what I think being a Jackson is, is, is doing that. And so we want to help the world and, and, um, children is the best way to do that for the future. Definitely. We'll, we'll make sure to put a link to that in our show notes. And, and also, guys, if you're listening out there and you want to find out more about Taj Jackson and 3T, make sure you hit up 3T.com to find out all the latest news around uh, new records and, and new uh, music. If you want to follow uh, Taj on Twitter, you need to, to follow at Taj Jackson 3. Uh, that's the number three on Twitter. And uh, there's also TajJackson.com, which links directly to Taj's Twitter feed on the web. We'll look after the self-promotion for you, Taj, okay? <laughs> yeah, I was like, I didn't, I didn't even, I forgot about the TajJackson.com. So I was like, wow, I'm, I'm checking it as you, as you said. I'm like, what is on there? No, it's, I'm, yeah, I'm that, I'm that bad about self-promoting. That's the problem. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's all good. It's all good. So thank you, Taj, honestly, from, from the bottom of our hearts for coming on the show. Uh, it's been an amazing conversation. Thank you for being so candid with us. And, and we deeply, deeply appreciate you coming on. Oh, thank you guys so much. And, and I meant what I said, like you guys really, you keep the legacy alive and it's fans like you. And so I'm truly appreciative of it. And anytime you guys need me to be on, you know, and if I'm not traveling or even if I am traveling and I got my microphone, I'm here. (laughs) Awesome. Sounds Thank great. you. That would be awesome. And feel free to pop in a word with any aunts and uncles and brothers of yours that would uh, like to share stories as well, because we're happy to share any stories. And of course, listeners will laugh when I remind them that one of my dream guests would was always from the start, LaToya. I think LaToya would be just fabulous to talk <laughs> to and hear from. So feel free to pop in a good word for us. I will. I will. You know, I, since I'm the first, you know, people will be listening to this one and our fans will be, I mean, our family will be listening to this one. And so, you know, I definitely think there'll be more. Well, in that case, can Jamin and I both extend our absolute love and respect for all of your family, not only for the incredible art that we, we enjoy and we're so blessed to enjoy living in this time of the Jacksons. I always keep reminding myself how lucky we are to even be alive in the time of the Jacksons. It's like being in the alive in the time of Leonardo da Vinci and Michelangelo and, and the Beatles and Elvis. So we're very blessed, but our love and respect to all of your family, we will do everything we can to to hold the torch up for the Jackson's name and defend and and in not only enjoy the art but enjoy the Jackson's legacy as a whole. So thank you to all of the family and our love and and respect to all of them. Thank you guys. Yeah, thank you. We just wanted to say one more little thing today. Um, we would sort of like to make mention of all of our listeners in. Paris and across France and Europe for the the horrific and tragic events that unfolded there recently. And we know that you've got very special memories of Paris yourself. So we just wanted to say to all of our listeners that have been affected by this tragedy um, to, to stay strong, to have love in your hearts and to go forward and know that you're not alone. And if you need anything, we're, we're there for you. Yes. Well said. Well, I think that's a wrap. Perfect.
vous écoutez de MG Cast, le premier podcast sur Michael Jackson, avec des news, de la libre antenne et plein de bons moments entre fans autour du roi de la pop et des Jackson. Jamin, it's my new favorite episode. I'm just going to come out and say it. That was incredible to put together. You did such a great job putting the um, the questions together and the intro and everything. Thank you so much for all the hard work. But um, wow. What a terrific guest. It was an absolute pleasure. Oh, amazing, wasn't it? I'm just still shaking a little bit over here. Like, I guess we're still amateurs at this. So whenever, yeah. we, whenever we get to talk to somebody of that magnitude, you know, it's like, wow. Just the stories that we've just been witness to. Yeah. We're so lucky to be able to share that with you all out there. So, oh, wow. Yeah, Crazy. so happy. Look, uh, I guess we better get some info out to our listeners about how to find it, uh, find our show. For sure, like because you're going to be probably wanting to be uh, looking at some of those show notes to uh, you, and maybe you know that Phil Donahue interview you mm. mentioned, uh, the Didi Jackson Foundation. So um, head to the MJCast.com first and foremost. Uh, that will have all of the show notes there. We are, of course, on iTunes. So if you haven't already, subscribe to the show and it'll be uh, you'll know straight away when there's a new episode. You won't miss anything. We're on Facebook as the MJ Cast, Twitter, the MJ Cast, Instagram, also the MJ Cast. Over at Tumblr, the MJ Cast. Pretty easy. Have you found a pattern? <laughs> <laughs> We tried to keep it simple. YouTube's different, that's plus the MJ Cast. And we would love to hear from you. We love getting feedback and we act on the feedback. We appreciate it. So email us, themjcast at icloud.com is our email. So please drop us a line. Let us know your thoughts on the show. And, of course, across all social media, if you have that, let us know what you thought of the show. But we do love our emails. Um, and speaking of feedback, Quickly, I just want to thank a few people. On Facebook, I would like to thank Sarah Angus, Patricia Deans, Sarah Blakely, Tyler Clausen, Madison Jones, and Ewan Turner. Over on the website, I want to thank Marie Plus for commenting on the Lavelle Smith Jr. episode. And over on Twitter, big thank you to Tabloid Junk TJ. You'll hear some uh, improvements in the show in season two, and that's in part because of TJ. Thank you very much. And also, TJ just put out a great video on his YouTube channel, which we'll put in the show notes. It's a uh, – what? how would you describe it? Um, let me think. So – We know of the, the Charles Thompson article that appeared in Huffington Post. Basically, and... I would describe it like a spoken word version of – of Charles' article, the most shameless episode in journalistic history, but with beautifully cut images and footage over the top of that article. So there's a lot of slow Ken Burns effects and zooms happening on these beautiful high-resolution images and, and footage as well, uh, basically set to that amazing article that, that TJ reads. Yeah, so we don't usually do finds of the week, I guess, in special episodes, but no. there you go. There's our find of the week for this week. So that will be in the show notes. It's on, on a TJ's uh, channel as well on YouTube, but it's worth checking out and it's worth sharing around. Um, also, thanks on Twitter to Clint NB, to Jacob Rathjen, Michael on brother, Cafe Fantasia, Verna Gold, and Amy, that tall bird. But also a quick mail call, Sandra Fakus O'Brien on Facebook. Thank you for the support and email with clarification. 
and confirmation of the uh, baby MJ washing machine story. We actually had that um, confirmation of that story that we talked about in the Lavelle Smith Jr. episode from um, Sandra and Cafe Fantasia, and I think it was Werner as well. Um, also, Tom Ruterman for the support and stories coming from such a veteran fan. That really does give us a lot of encouragement and pride, so thank you so much. And John Mulholland, at Dublin Proud over on Twitter. Thanks for your wonderful encouragement and support. We've considered um, both of those guests that you spoke about in your email. And at this stage, our straight talker isn't ready for chatting, but when the time comes, we'd, we'd be there at the top of the list apparently. But it was great hearing from you as well. So thank you, John. So that's it for my thanks. Yeah, been a really big uh, few weeks and we're going to we're going to be back in a couple of weeks time with another episode i think our next episode will be a regular one where we catch up all about the uh, the latest news in the jackson family world a uh, couple of episodes to go to round the year out before we come back in 2016 with season two so big thanks for all listeners out there we really appreciate everything and that you listen when a new show drops like this one or the next one um soon when it drops don't just listen to it share it. We would love you to share it. Like tell someone about it that is a Michael fan or a Jackson's fan. Tell them about it. You can either just tell them like over the phone, go listen to the show, but then also share it via your social media or via email. So, you know, um, if you're on iTunes, you can actually hit the share button directly from iTunes. It'll link directly to the show on iTunes, or you can share it via Twitter facebook uh and things like that so it'll actually link back to the the website themjcast.com so please share that around and and spread the word and share these incredible stories that we're so lucky to be hearing um and learning so much about well that's a wrap make sure you enjoy the next couple of weeks ahead before the next episode of the mj cast keep michaeling thanks everyone michael on